0: One.
1: Basic hip. Welcome to The Jazz Session, the weekly jazz interview show. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz reviews, news, mp3 downloads, and more. The Jazz Session is also available for free at TheJazzSession.com and in iTunes. This week's guest is drummer E.J. Strickland. His quintet has a new recording called In This Day. And from it, here is Abandoned Discovery. My guest is drummer and composer E.J. Strickland. His quintet has a new album out called In This Day. And it's my pleasure to welcome E.J. Strickland to the show. Thanks so much for being here.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Can we uh, start with a little history lesson and just talk about your early days uh, in Miami and in particular your dad's influence on your music?
2: Yeah, it all kind of started when uh, Marcus and I, my brother, when we were uh, young, you know, we we just had jazz around the house all the time. He was always playing uh, Coltrane, Miles, uh, Led Zeppelin, Stevie Wonder on his stereo. It was never a foreign thing to us. You know, it was always something that we were familiar with. In addition to that, we also listened to more popular music, you know, hip hop, you know, stuff like that. You know, I guess that's how it started. because. When I when I saw my dad play the drums for the first time, he's a percussionist. He he played the drums at a cookout one time. I I saw, you know how interesting the the drum set is, all of the different sounds you can get from the instrument, and I needed an elective for middle school, and that's how it all began. I just I, I picked up music right away and dove into jazz right away too.
1: But as it turned out, you didn't start on drums, right?
2: You had a that's little detour. Right. That's right. You've been doing your research. <laughs> I uh I started on trombone. Actually, I I I wanted to play the drums like right from the get-go, but I didn't have enough natural ability on the drums. You know, we had the band teacher had us all, you know, play on practice pads and everything to see who had the most natural ability and that person would, you know, play percussion, but I just I guess I just didn't have it right at that moment and you know I, I had to pick and uh, uh, I picked trombone and I studied for maybe six months I was you know pretty, not to brag or anything but <laughs> like sexually or whatever but it wasn't what I really wanted to do it, it, I really wanted to play the drum every time i hear this great music my dad put on i'd key in on the drummer and listen to the things that the drummer was doing and i just thought it was so fun so i begged my band teacher i said look man <laughs> i really want to play the drums i'll work hard my dad's a percussionist himself uh, he'll he'll teach me you know and that's what happened he let me play the drums and my, my dad really coached me along and and helped me with all of that so i i do i'm i'm in great debt to him it's, far as my uh musical career sprouting and and also you know the instrument that i chose i think he has a lot to do with that
1: do you still own a trombone ej
2: i don't own a trombone but every now and then i'll you know if, if i'm in a big playing in a big band situation i'll ask somebody if i can see their horn could still get a decent sound on it, but <laughs> <laughs> still, you know, I leave it to the professionals.
1: You're not, you're not going to be gigging on it anytime
2: soon, is what I'm hearing. Exactly not, <laughs> <laughs> not going to be gigging on it anytime soon. So, so it's a beautiful instrument.
1: Now, you, you mentioned uh, your brother Marcus, who's a saxophone player. Uh, he's also on this record, and you guys are, are twin brothers, right? That's right, and' We're twin brothers now you al- you always hear when uh, you know that like families when there's a family of singers that they harmonize better together, or you hear things about twins you know finishing each other's thoughts and that kind of thing is there do you notice that on the bandstand when you play with your brother uh obviously some of it comes from just having known each other your whole lives, but is there a special thing about about being twins and being musicians together that you've noticed
2: I think so, I think. You know, people ask us questions all the time, the normal twin questions. You know, do you guys have some kind of telepathy between you guys or kind of ESP kind of thing? The only instance, one of the only instances, I feel it, is in music. That's where it's the strongest. I don't know if it's uh, more of a, a spiritual kind of thing or just something as simple as we hear each other practice and, you know, we know each other each other's personalities very well, or anything like that. I don't know. I, I, I feel that it's like a, a kind of spiritual kind of uh, connection with him. You know, I, I don't think I, I have it with anybody else. I think it's very unique, and uh, I feel blessed to, to have a twin brother who's, who's as talented as him and who inspires me like him.
1: When did you decide to get serious about music, and what did you do when you made that
2: decision? I decided to get serious about music uh, about a year after playing the drums. And I guess the reason why was because it was just, when, when, when I got into it, when I got serious about it and I started studying it, I found that I loved it so much that I just wanted to do it for the rest of my life. You know, before that, probably, you know, kind of curious about certain things like engineering things like that. I was really into mathematics and science and all that kind of stuff but music was different. It was this thing that kind of, uh, I don't know it felt like my calling when when it all started to, to come together. It felt like this is what I'm supposed to do I don't know how to really describe that feeling other than it just feels right I guess I was about 12 years old when that happened.
1: And so what what action did you take when you realized this is the thing I want to do?
2: I got even more serious about um my music and my my practicing, my development, and also I I had my you know sights set on uh, the future. Um, we started looking into, you know, where we wanted to go for high school and we decided that we wanted to go to an arts high school and we did we we wound up going to new world school of the arts in downtown miami uh, where we could study with you know alongside students that were as serious as we were and professors that were of the you know highest caliber you know and then it continued from there i wanted to Study music in college, and I went to New School for Social Research, and it was a great place for me to develop, uh, you know, a musicianship. Also, to study with uh, musicians who had been on the scene, and musicians that I, I loved to listen to: Reggie Workman, Charles Tolliver, uh, Jimmy Owens, uh, Joe Chambers. The list goes on and on. Billy Harper got to work with him a couple of times, play his music also Reggie Workman got to play some of his music and work with him you know so it just it's kind of just sprouted from there I, I decided to get serious about my education and and following through and pursuing you know that path
1: Before you ever went to New York, you got a chance to meet some pretty big names when you were still in in high school in Miami, isn't that right?
2: That's very true. Um, Wynton Marsalis uh, came down to uh, Miami, Florida, not only to perform, we we saw him perform, but then he also did some clinics uh, in the area, and we were at the clinics, and we we got to meet him. He was one of our, our heroes. So uh we asked him you know many questions. we told him you know what our our aspirations were, and he encouraged us he, he encouraged us to uh pursue if if this is what we wanted to do to
1: go ahead and
2: and pursue it so that gave us even more you know added more uh wood to the fire and uh made it burn even more just to to be around something you know somebody like Winton also jo- John Faddis same thing it was the same kind of inspiration from him we actually got to uh, work you know with him in clinics at at our school and got to perform with him also another person we got to meet was Bobby Watson who I still uh, keep in touch with uh, in New York Uh, I think we, we had our first Thanksgiving with Bobby Watson in New York we couldn't go home. We we went home for Christmas, but we, for Thanksgiving we stayed up here. I I spent my first Thanksgiving with with Bobby Watson, Bobby and Pamela, and they they took us into their home. We talked about music, things like that.
1: That's not so, bad uh, at all.
2: Yeah, it's not bad at all. We got to we got to meet a, a quite a handful of uh, great musicians who who encouraged us.
1: So did New York City seem like the obvious place to go when you got out of high school?
2: It definitely did. All of the all of the people I looked up to, all of my influences, all of everybody. It seemed like the entire world of jazz was, you know, centered in New York City. So if that was the jazz mecca then that's where I was going. I wanted to be around the best and I wanted to be, you know, pushed and, you know, inspired by, you know, my peers as well as, you know, people that came before me and People that you know, my mentors, and you know, things, you know, people like that. So, New York was definitely, definitely the best move, I think.
1: And did the did the academic setting at the New School? Did that make it easier to get access to gigs because of the faculty and just all the people who come through there?
2: It did. I, I think for me, just just the way I see it, I think it's better to come to New York as a student. It's it, it's definitely easier, you know, to come as a student because you're you're studying and you are you're, you know, making a statement that, you know, I'm serious about this music. I, I want to, you know, follow through education-wise. And then there's there are professors at the school that that hear you on a daily basis, not just one time or you know once in a blue moon they they hear you they hear your growth and your development throughout a four year period or how many other years they hear you and they hear your your growth and development and if they see something special going on with that they they spread the word and um you know I I think it really it really helps to come to New York as a student because it kind of like sets up your career after those four years
1: are there some opportunities that you had early in your New York time that you look back on now and say, "That one opened a door for me." That was one of the ones that I needed to get where I am now.
2: All of them open doors. It's hard to it's hard to pick one because every single experience I had opened doors to a new one. But I think the first thing that happened that was you know of, of significance was playing with Nina Freelon. I think I was about 19 years old and she uh, called me, one of the musicians in her band, his name is Wayne Bachelor, great bass player from London, England. He was attending New School at the same time that I was and most of, what I find is most gigs, they start from recommendations and that's the way this started, you know, he, he recommended me, she called me and... We, I did a couple of tours with her. Um, her drummer, her regular drummer, is uh, Woody Williams. And uh, every time he couldn't make it, you know, she'd call me. And that was a great experience going on the road with her, um, playing her music, getting coached by her. Uh, she gave me a lot of information that was very useful, especially as a vocalist, uh, explaining how to carry, you know, a song and things like that. These things really opened up a lot of doors, and actually, you know, more more so just on the growth tip, you know, helped me grow as a musician.
1: You know, it's it's one thing to want to play music for a living, but it's quite another thing to be able to, and, you know, to really to make the cut, I guess, so to speak. I mean, very few people who go to school for music ever actually end up as professional musicians. Was there kind of a time when you realized... Oh okay. I I think this is going to work out. I'm I've got enough gigs now or I you know, I can make it this way. Uh, did it take a long time? Was it was it a quick thing?
2: I think it was a, a quick thing. I as I say I, I I just felt early on that that this was kind of like, you know, my calling. But, you know, and I knew that I was going to do everything that I could to uh to get what I wanted and 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 achieve my goals. But I guess, you know, while I was in college, maybe the last two years of college, I was very assured that my career would be solidified when, when I got out there and, and really started pushing. I, I started getting a lot of gigs. I, I, I was fortunate enough to work with Russell Malone. I started working with him before I graduated. Also, uh, Ravi Coltrane got to work with him before I, before I graduated college worked a little bit with uh Wynton Marsalis had an opportunity to play with Herbie Hancock, Diane Reeves, you know the, a lot of things were happening so maybe like the the last few years of college is where I was assured that you know this was this was the right path the, the right choice for me
1: I don't know I've never heard of any of those people Yeah. <laughs> so let's turn now to uh in this day and uh one of the things that, that grabbed me right off the bat is that uh, you wrote or uh co-wrote every every track on this record and uh, so let's start with that why did you decide to go with an album of originals why was that important to you
2: it was important to me because i don't know i, I guess because i had a. Lo- I felt like i had i have a lot to say and i felt like uh I started writing when I was in high school. Throughout college, I, I developed it. You know, when, whenever I played one of my tunes, you know, for, like, you know, a classmate of mine or something like that, they always, one of the things they always said was, I can tell your tunes. Like, if you, if you play somebody else's tunes, but then you, you play your own tune, I can tell it's your tune. You have, like, a certain thing. You have a certain identity and as far as writing is concerned. So that really um, encouraged me to, you know, just keep writing and to keep uh, feeding this, uh, this talent that I was developing. That's one of the reasons why I didn't start uh, my band until 2005 because I wanted to, when I first, when I finally got out there on my own and I was doing my own project, I wanted to make sure that I had a lot to say, and I also wanted, you know, one of my goals was to be a prolific composer. You know, I don't know if I'll ever reach that goal. I'm, I'm, you know, pursuing it right now. I'm, I'm writing a lot. I was writing all day today, actually. Um, you know, so that's what I wanted to do. I, I knew that once, once I got out there, I wanted to have a body of music that was identifiable, that people could identify with me. I think composition is a very, very good uh, passageway to your, your, your voice, you know, what they like to call your, your own voice. So uh, I guess that's the reason why that's the best way I can answer that question.
1: like writing for an ensemble gives you a chance to say what you have to say without just uh, limiting yourself to what you can say on the drum set. Is that is that an accurate thing to say?
2: That's very true. Uh, I think it composing your own music uh, just shows more of who you are, more of your personality as a musician, and people can identify with you even more when you start to write your own music. So I think it's very rewarding. In the end, when you do a project of your own and you're you're composing all of your music, uh, I think it's very rewarding to uh, be able to, you know, put so much of your your personality forward and people can recognize, you know, your personality. It's kind of like you've carved a place for yourself in in the uh, entire spin of things
1: there are many guests on this record and uh, the one who appears on the, the greatest number of tracks is percussionist Pedro Martinez who uh, I think has a, a really good rapport with you on this album and I was curious about why you chose to add uh, a percussionist to the album at least on uh, about a third of the tracks
2: I just love percussion I love uh, the drums uh, hand drums are very beautiful instruments to me uh, the djembe, the the congas um, these are these are special instruments to me um, I've been listening to a lot of um, world music uh, Cuban music African music from tribes tribes uh, from Ghana mostly West African drumming these kind of things really get my blood boiling and really uh, take me you know musically to another height they just they, they really inspire me and that's the Kind of like a, a sound that I want to also bring into you know my group. I wanted to add a uh, Pedro Martinez because I think the first time I saw him play was with Yosvani Terry's group, and he blew me away because uh, you know when he played, it was just it was kind of just like hypnotizing. I always felt myself in a trance. He's always in a trance, and what he's playing puts everybody in the room in a trance whether soloing whether singing whether uh... accompanying his his stuff is just so deep you know so deep so uh... so earthy so um... I've I always wanted to work with him the first time I, I got to work with him was in a co-led group by three groups of brothers it was it's called the Brotherhood Sextet Yozvani And Junior Terry, Robert, and Mike Rodriguez, and of course Marcus and EJ Strickland, sextet. And we, the first gig we had, we had Pedro as a guest, and that's the first time I actually got to play with him, after seeing him play with other people. And when we played, we had a great rapport. I loved how he, you know, as great as he is, he's always like listening to what you're doing and appreciating what you can bring to the whole situation and finding a way that he can work with that. So I said, man, i I got to work with this guy at some point. And this was the, great, the, the perfect opportunity. When I started to do my own project, my own album, I definitely wanted to put him on there. There were a couple of tunes that really called for that element to be added.
1: I spoke with a pianist and composer Arturo O'Farrell recently and he said that he thought that jazz had gotten away from some of its African and Latin roots and its its kind of broader Latin roots not not just its Afro-Cuban roots and he thought that the the future of jazz depended very much on gathering those elements back in and I'd be interested in your reaction to that.
2: I I think I agree with what, um Mr. O'Farrell said. I think... Uh, a lot of us out here, you know, we're we're young, and we have, uh, you know, different in- influences, and we're we're bringing those in to the music and everything. But I think we, to a certain extent, I think we are getting away from those roots, from those, um, from from the African roots of the music. While I'm observing what's going on. I'm, you know, making a conscious effort to to not uh, abandon that because I think that's an important element to jazz. Um, I I think, you know, I'm I'm very open. I I I love all types of uh, music, all kinds of approaches to this music. Um, I love most of what's going on out here, you know, but I think uh, I really wanted to make a conscious effort myself to uh, to not abandon that because I don't think it's to be abandoned. I think when you when you just get totally away from that it kind of, you know, loses the the essence of what what the the roots of the music are.
1: The album is called In This Day. It's uh EJ Strickland and his quintet and EJ it's been a real pleasure talking with you and I uh, really enjoyed the record and I hope you'll come back again.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
1: That's drummer E.J. Strickland and his quintet from his new album, In This Day. You've been listening to The Jazz Session, the weekly jazz interview show. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of The Jazz Session is also available for free at TheJazzSession.com and in iTunes. The Jazz Session has an email mailing list, and uh, many weeks now I'm giving away music that way. So if you are not yet on the mailing list, please visit thejazzsession.com and sign up. It's very, very simple. You won't get any spam Uh, each week on Monday morning. You'll get an email from me with information about the show, information about CD giveaways, and a few other interesting links here and there. I also have a group for the Jazz Session on Facebook. If you just go on Facebook and search for the Jazz Session, it'll pop right up. You can join that, and I give away music there, too. The theme music for this show, as always, is by my good friends in the Respect Sextet. Check out Serious Respect, their new CD, online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Rabel, who designed the Jazz Sessions logo. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please support live jazz whenever and wherever you can and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session.